This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Investors Roundtable. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft, B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. I'm sorry we haven't brought you an episode in a while. I, look, there's there. It's been a it's been an interesting, weird summer. We're like trying to find you know find topics. It's been kind of lowly, but we we got an episode for you today. Uh, if you're following me or, or FinTwit community or the Microcap FinTwit community you would probably know that uh, this new dark stock rule, something that they've kind of, that OTC and the SEC has already has kind of alluded to over the years, it's happening. And so I wanted to have a round table to really talk about it and what this means for the investing community, for OTC markets, for companies that are listed as quote unquote dark companies. So with that, joining me to discuss all of this, uh, we got Dan Schoen from No Name Stocks. We got Maj Sway Dan from geoinvesting.com. We have Dave Waters from Alluvial Capital. We got Thomas Brazil from 507 Capital and Italy. Not, not representing Italy, he's just in Italy. And then uh, Marcus Frampton as well, uh, the Alaska Permanent Fund, as well as uh, the Batman of Microcaps as well. So uh, everybody, thank you for joining me today on this short notice and, and, and just getting after it today. So thank you. All right, all right. Well, I think we should probably give everybody a little bit of perspective, right? And kind of give a short background as to what exactly is going on. So since, uh, since Maj uh, was, he kind of inspired me to want to do a panel on this today with his tweet basically saying like, what the hell are we supposed to do? Uh, Maj, you want to give us kind of the, the brief background on what the heck is going on? Well, I, I guess I don't know what's going on totally, obviously, because I'm a little bit in the dark what's going on. But I think I'm going to defer to Dan in a second because he follows these, this, this thing a lot more. But from what I understand here is that really the only thing that's going to change here is the way quotations are kind of re represented to retail investors. And with this rule, um, what is it? I guess 15, what, C2-11, I guess? Um, C211, yeah. 211. Um, you know, you're going to have um, these stocks you can still buy them as you know but you won't be able to if they don't comply with some of these information requests um you're not going to be able to see them as a retail investor and if you don't and i think the doctor dropped that day september 28th and um, if you don't comply with these um the information um kind of um requirements you're either going to trade this expert market which we really don't know what's going on there yet and that or or possibly the gray market which is even less disclosures and i guess uh, and, and maybe Dan, you correct me if I'm wrong, the expert in the gray market will kind of differ in how quotes are kind of represented by the brokers and dealers, market makers, I guess. Well, it's unclear. Like, so right now there's like 7,000 stocks that are going to be affected by this. And it's like a couple of years ago, the SEC put out this, this uh, rule. I don't know, like they were thinking about this rule change, which would do what you're saying, Mosh, which would prevent brokerages from 
from quoting electronically any stocks that are not current. And they consider current, I think it was within the, sac the last six months, you have to have filed financials, something like that. I don't think it was quarterly, but maybe it was. But, um, and so right now in OTC markets, there's, there's these different tiers and there's about 7,000 stocks that are gonna be affected by this. And they're, the, once the rule goes into effect, brokerages are not allowed to quote these anymore. Um, the OTC markets has put in a kind of a proposal to the SEC, which the SEC has not responded to yet, to give them an exemption to put all these stocks onto their expert market. And then they could quote them there. And expert market theoretically would be available for, um, I don't know, some kind of qualified investors or something. I don't know if it's accredited or what, but um, that's what OTC markets is trying to do. But the SEC has not responded and said, yes, we're going to do that or allow that or not. So. Right now, we're in this like period where the SEC has said brokerages, you can't quote these things, and brokerages are figuring out what they do on their own. And unfortunately for us, what they've, what I've seen from most of the ones I know that would allow trading in these stocks is they're just kind of backing away into the corner and saying like, well, we're out. And so Schwab, TD Ameritrade, E-Trade, they've all just, um, they've been putting out letters to their invest or, or their their account holders recently saying like, well after august you're not going to be able to buy these anymore you can sell you know if you can find a buyer but there's you're not going to be able to buy and so I we're really kind a buyer of if you can't buy I was, I was watching this otc video i guess where they um the markets where they kind of explain what's going on here and uh, they said like yeah well you know nothing's going to really change that i mean well of course you can't see the quotes but what they're not really playing in a playing in this whole thing is that the brokers aren't going to quote these anymore. i mean i mean i don't really trade them at all but even yeah, if you the, trade them, you know, without seeing their, you know, quotes, <laughs> the brokers aren't going to let you buy them at all. So um, yeah. I think it's um, you know, pretty interesting in there. And I think also part of the new rule too, uh, guys, is that um, uh, previously you had the, um, a company who had to file with, like, you know, file with FINRA, it's um, compliance, uh, be listed on, uh, with the quotes on the OTC. And I believe now OTC has some, uh, Kind of also following requirements they may require too or are allowed to have some latitude there to figure out if a company can be quoted also um i'm not quite sure everything about that but i think that's part of it too yeah i mean it, it, i, I want to actually learn more about this expert market that's kind of interesting i, I don't remember I, I haven't seen anything about that yet um i mean marcus dave tom have you guys heard anything about this as well uh about what this kind of looks like or, or maybe some color on the on the proposal? Yeah, I, I'll make a couple comments. I'll hand it to Dave. Um, and, you know, by way of background, I mean, I'm kind of like in the same position of retail investors because my participation in this market's in my retail account, you know, whereas, you know, Dave is running a small fund, so he may have different trading relationships than I would have. I'm probably more in Dan's situation where we're like, frustrated with emails we're getting from Schwab and, you know, you sit on the phone, you know, on hold for half an hour trying to talk about it with someone. But, you know, my understanding is consistent with what Maj and others said was, you know, late last year, the SEC um, came out with a ruling that prohibited, um, um, you know, showing quotes to, to uh, investors on dark stocks unless there's different exemptions and reliefs. And in their original proposal, one thing that the SEC put out as something they're open to is an expert market where the only people seeing quotes would be accredited investors. 
So they were open to it. Then OTC Markets proposed one and it was open for comment. And all the comments that have come in in the last, I guess, six to nine months have been positive. There hasn't been a single comment letter against the expert market. But we have had a change in administration, different people at the SEC. So I can imagine um, behind the scenes, there's a transition there. But I haven't seen any evidence that anyone's against the expert market. Um, so I'm an optimist and I'm hoping it'll get you know, inactive, but it just hasn't happened yet. And we're getting dangerously close to this enforcement date of September 28th, where the lights go dark for people like me and Schwab accounts on being able to trade these names. So we're getting these emails. And so I'm assuming the expert market will get approved, but, the, but for the SEC to approve it, then brokers need to decide they want to participate in it. And I haven't seen a lot of evidence that E-Trade, Fidelity, Schwab will participate in it. In their defense, nothing's been approved. So they have like nothing to really evaluate. And it's possible, I think you could see like, I'm just throwing out names. I don't have any idea what any of these companies' policies are. I could see like an interactive brokers having, you know, like a higher tier professional level trading where maybe you need to be generating certain account um, commissions or, or what have you. But if you have a direct trading relationship with a prime broker and you can um, establish that you're an accredited investor to them, I think you'll be able to access these markets. I'm just really unclear whether you will in a, you know, a normal retail account. Um, so I think there's a lot of uncertainty, but I'm optimistic that something will come together and then the private sector, some broker dealer will make some platform available to someone, but it may not be you know, when I started trading these stocks, I had like a $10,000 account. I just read a Ben Graham book. That investor may be frozen out of this market for good. So I, I'll hand it to you, Dave. You probably are following this a little closer than I am. I mean, good comments, Marcus. Uh, you're exactly right that a lot of this is still a little bit up in the air. We don't know exactly how this is going to look. Uh, I'm also operating under the assumption that the expert market will be approved, but we don't know exactly when. Uh, we don't know what it'll look like. And very importantly, as you said, we don't know which brokers, if any, will want to participate in this market and make it available to their clients. Uh, I honestly think that once this market develops, this expert market that investors, uh, especially retail investors who want to participate in dark stocks, uh, in, the non, in these non-important companies will probably have to end up as some sort of specialty broker. Uh, a more full service provider than your than your Schwab and your your E Trade and the days of of trading these like normal stocks paying almost no commission and having visibility for the bid and the ask uh, might be just a memory. It might be a sort of thing where you're now paying ninety nine dollars a trade and and you're calling your broker and saying, hey, where's the market in X Y Z stock? Because you might not be able to see the quotes because we're still finding out if uh, brokers can even provide um, quotes of any kind to, to retail investors or, or, or how they get around that. But I am optimistic, like you said, that these will trade in some venue. Uh, they, were, they will still price, there will still be some liquidity out there for people who really want to access it, but it won't be cheap and, and it won't necessarily be easy. But then again, that might be the opportunity that arises in some of these names. You know, I got, got Tom, sorry, man. No, no, I got nothing for sure. That's it. I agree. Opportunity and chaos. Maj, what you got? I, I was wondering, actually, I was thinking about this a few days ago. Um, 
uh, this, this is ironic about what's, what, what the SEC is trying to do here. The SEC is trying to basically protect investors from fraud, right? And, and assuming that, okay, if you file financials, the companies that file financials are the, are, are, are the quality companies are not, are not fraudulent. And I think you guys are, you know, see that that doesn't, that, that's not, you know, you have a, a lot, basically now you're telling, okay, an investor, just because they file financials, it's a legit company. And the SEC is looking at this in the whole wrong way. They're not really attacking fraud the right way, in my opinion, or pump and dump kind of um, schemes. These dark stocks, I think all in all, um, aren't really this, where all the pump and dumps are kind of like occurring. Um, these pump and dump artists, they need liquidity. They need, they need, they, they, they don't want these dark stocks. I mean, the, the, to be a place they play. So I think it's just really interesting where the, comp, the, the focus has been and the compass of the SEC and the regulators in general are, 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 are wrong here and, and gotten placed in the wrong direction. Um, now on the positive side, so I don't think it's necessarily horrible, right? To have companies want to post their financials, right? I mean, it does offer more discovery for us, which is interesting. Um, and I don't think that having them post it will, will ruin our inefficiency of the market because this, people are going to play this market or not play this market. Um, and that's not really changing much in terms of your desire. But I'm curious, though, if it will actually help us start identifying more of these tier one dark companies. Because my um, experience has been these dark companies are, there's a lot of high quality companies in this, in this, in this dark pool. And a lot of them just don't want to follow the OTs. They just want to file. They don't want anything to do with it. But now that they're forced to, it might be interesting. We might find some interesting quality companies and, and have a place to go to see them. And this expert market's going to you know, evolve. That's going to be where all these companies didn't want to file that were probably a lot of more quality companies. will be able to go find them in one spot um, because you know the OTC doesn't really give you a, a true kind of quality kind of uh, separation amongst companies. You know, if you pay, if you pay the fee, if you file the filings, you know, and you don't have a skull and crossbone, you're, you're, you're investable, I guess. And, um, you know, you can, you can start a company, you know, have your wonderful filings, you have a patent and a license, you look like a real company and now you're a real company. Right. And that's where the pump and dumps kind of evolve, right. Over time, because you're looking legit. They're like the pump and dumps come out of the shelves. So like my experience is like, you have these weird sort of like listed not listed there's like a there's like a q-sip and they like latch onto it and there's some weird transaction they do they sort of take control of it and all of a sudden they've got some business opportunity going on inside right i mean it, it so it's not they're definitely a lot of quality companies but i mean in the chaos will be the opportunity for sure yeah, i don't well, know who the winners and losers are in terms of like the market participants like otc markets ib i mean these are people that have built their business off otc securities right i don't, I don't know if these guys winner or winners or losers in this whole uh, shenanigans yeah i don't know i don't know it's gonna be interesting though hey i, I got a question for you guys i mean I, I'm, I'm assuming some of you talk with some of these management teams of, of some of these companies that you own i mean what's been their feedback you know i mean when is when does the outrage go from the brokers like i can't buy these things otc why would you do this sec what the hell to like all right, I own you. I own you, companies. Like, I can you go do this now. You know, uh, you have to do this. Uh, we want to make sure. Like, uh, have you guys have you guys talked to some of these companies and what's been some of their feedback? And if no, then I, it have, be a, very I have a guess. I haven't spoken to anybody. I want to hear what all the other guys say because I guess that these are these are the th this is the kind of thing that they deal with it when it becomes a problem. I don't think any of them even thought about it. But yeah, anyway, okay. what is what is Dave or, or Marcus or somebody? What has y'all been y'all or Dan or Jelton Nigger parents? 
I've talked I've, to a few of these companies. It, it's pretty much what, what do you expect? For some companies, this is the greatest thing. They It's beyond their wildest dreams. I know. They never liked having shareholders in the first place besides management. And, and they have no plans to comply. And someday they'll buy back their shares from you cheap if they can. Other ones that have a history of treating shareholders pretty well, uh, the kind of company where you just own the shares and they'll put you on their, their mailing list or something and they treat you like a partner, they're working on it. Uh, they were kind of taken by surprise. A lot of them weren't even aware of this until very recently when they got contacted by a shareholder or OTC markets or someone. And so they're, they're going through the process. They're working with their counsel to figure out how to do all this disclosure and uh, there's honestly a lot of opportunity because I, a few of these companies I know are working on this are on those lists from Schwab and, and Ameritrade and uh, no trading, but they'll get things squared away and, and they will be tradable. But, but I think there's still a lot of companies out there who don't know this is coming and they won't know until they get calls from angry shareholders saying like, why can't I, why can't I trade? Uh, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, I heard I heard back from one this morning and the guy, it's like news to him. And he says, oh, thanks for those links to the SEC uh, press release. Like, can, can, can we have a phone call and you can explain this to me? So now I'm like going to have a call with this chairman of the board of this tiny company and like. Just say, Dan, I'm a thousand, say I'm a thousand dollars an hour. I'm happy to have a phone call. I'm an Dude, expert like on a, these. No, I'll get paid Describe to me your I business. Get, yeah, I'll, get paid, I'll get I'll get paid in stock. I can't trade. You know how about that? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that silver lining. I mean, uh, Dave. I mean, there's got to be management teams out there that are just kind of like revel in this. You know, the ones that you that's just so cheap. The corporate governance is just horrific, and they they would just know nothing better than to squeeze you out. So, ah. There's for sure. There's some one one responded to me the other day and just kind of said, "Yeah, we deregistered from the SEC. Like we consider ourselves private, and we're going to keep going like that." And How can they even legally say that? I consider myself private. I've heard that from companies, and I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Like I'm. It's because at the of the SEC. Price. It's the SEC. Yeah, but the SEC allows they, them to deregister. I know, but they're not. But the, I don't know, some some we need a, a securities lawyer on on this on this one as well. I've heard that from companies. Dave, I'm sure. Marcus, you guys have heard from companies. Maj, I don't know. Somebody's heard that. That's not, there's no way, that's not accurate. They're still public. I mean, they still have, I mean, I, uh, anyway, there's a pet peeve. When I hear that out of a manager's mouth, I want to smack them around. I've had companies tell me, you're not a shareholder. It's like, well, where's, where are these dividend checks coming from? And yeah, you, you get nowhere. I need to get more lawyers involved too. Uh, my experience so far with talking to these companies that, that I've come across has been pretty, pretty positive. Um, you know, if you find a company that's, um, I think um, uh, that's kind of putting press releases out there already, and they, they, they kind of want to be out there, but don't want to be out there. You know, I found that, that those companies are actually pretty receptive to this. Um, I'm, I'm curious if there's a, there's a lot, if the company really believes that their stocks, you know, should be a, a lot worth a lot more than it is. You know, do they and if they if they're looking at the public market as an eventual as a strategy? Because you see a lot of these OTC stocks, they get taken over over time. Um, you know, I'm wondering if they're gonna, um, you know, say, hey, we better do this because you know we want to create value for ourselves too, not just our shareholders. We want an extra strategy if they can't go private, for example. I mean, I guess there is always opportunity going private and then selling yourself. You know, then at that point. But I've talked about you know a handful of these, maybe seven or eight of these companies, and. Um, they seem to be, you know, you know, on the track wanting to do it for the most part. 
Um, you know, there are a few that don't want to do it, of course, are the ones that you like, you can tell they just don't want to be a public company at all. Yeah. Well, Dan uh, mentioned that there's like 7,000 stocks. So it's, I mean, the crazy thing is that the say. universe of names is bigger than exchange traded stocks in the United States. It's like, <laughs> by the, it's not a small number. And uh, I was just curious what you guys are doing in terms of like selling existing positions versus buying. Like there's, it strikes me that there's a category of the 7,000 that are working behind the scenes to get current. And in some cases, um, like Aztec Land and Cattle posted something on their website this week saying they are, their stock had been down like 20 plus percent. So I think they kind of reacted to that, that like, oh, people are maybe selling on this and party resources put on their website, they're going to comply. So some it's like public, but I think most that are working on it, it's like not, they haven't announced it, they're just working on it. Um, and so like those, could, there could be some interesting things there where something was dark and now the world sees like, like oh, look at what this Marcus. is earning. Um, so I'm not selling those obviously, but, but if you have a company that says we're not going to comply, which I think some folks have said they have heard that, are you like selling those stocks right now? Hey, Marcus, real quick, are you a shareholder in either of those? Uh, I am a shareholder in party, but not Aztec land. Okay. Mike, I think that's a great point, Marcus, but I actually think that what, that what this could do for us is a short window of time here where we can go and find a lot of interesting opportunities here where there's, if their stocks are pulling back here where the market has no idea what's going on to really get some, you know, ready stocks are already undervalued maybe because of the, because they're dark to get even better pricing on them now. And then you have the, the catalyst where, Hey, we're now we're current. You were, you know, you're able to like, you know, really cherry pick some of these great stocks, maybe at great valuations. And that's what I'm looking. I'm I'm taking the next several you know several weeks here to really one by one go through these stocks, and find out like for example where some stock where some companies are talking about it in their filing somewhere if they have a file if a small filing anywhere, you know or a press release, but they want to get current or something, um, kind of maybe that's not really out there yet per se. Um, maybe call on them to see what their attitudes are. And if we find you know enough of these companies where they look really good and we know they're going to file and they're going down, you know, we just gobble those gobble those. Right. Yeah, like if you take Aztec, for example, the stock didn't go up when they said that they were going to be current. And that's about as positive a message. As, I mean, that's as positive as an OTC stock saying, oh, we're going to uplist the NASDAQ or something, which generally has a, you know, and I'm not like pounding the table for Aztec land. I'm just saying there are examples of people who said or companies have said they'll comply and the stocks don't move. And then there are ones that I know that aren't going to comply. And some of them are selling off and some aren't. So I guess it, that's just the inefficient market that we all like in over the counter. Well, I mean, it, it gets to the question of like, well, let's say you see some of these opportunities where like you want to, you see that there's a pullback and you actually want to buy. I mean, where can you right now? Like what, where can you actually do that? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think right this minute you can on Schwab, but I think in August or Dan, I think is the date they're going to cut you off. So it, well, that's why I asked the question is like, I'm a right. little nervous to buy some of these, but the ones that I know are going to comply, uh, you know, you feel better. What is IB saying? Is IB come out formally? Yeah, Dan, give us the full wrap. I feel like Dan and Dave, actually Dan and Dave probably have the full wrap. So give us the full, we should, I should have an image with like the, the of, a, of a grid of each one. But uh, yeah, I'd love to get as much information for everybody listening right now. Dan, Dan, Dan or Dave, whoever wants to go first. So I, I, a few years ago, I had this issue like with Fidelity where they told me I couldn't buy these stocks anymore. This was like five years ago. 
And I went through and I contacted every brokerage I could find, like 50 different, like I just, just Googling brokerage, you know, and just calling them all. And so I wrote a blog post. This was like years ago. I ended up going to um, T. Rowe Price and then Pentrade and then Schwab. And so I've been around the table um, and they're all constantly like, they all kind of change over time as mergers happen and whatever. So I need to go back myself and start contacting the ones again. But um, back then I had found a number of them who would say, that you could, they would let you trade these dark stocks if you wanted. Um, some said yes on the stop sign, but no on the gray market stocks, which they consider even worse. Um, but the, the problem is recently, the, even those ones who back then had said yes, which was like um, Interactive Brokers, E-Trade, Schwab, uh, T. Rowe Price, TD Ameritrade, like they've been one at a time going out, coming out with, with uh, information saying they're not gonna allow this anymore after September. I'm not sure about interactive brokers because I don't use them because um, they like never allowed gray market stocks. But like T. Rowe Price had said has said after September they won't allow it anymore. They're the last one I know of right now that'll let you buy caveat emptor stocks. Um, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, and I think E Trade have all said now also after after August sometime they're not going to let you buy stop sign stocks anymore. Um, I contacted Glendale Securities, which is like a, a more full service type broker that used to be involved with pen trade, um, like a phone in kind of thing. Even them, they're not like, because they don't allow gray market stocks. And so if all these stop sign stocks are going to drop to the gray market, then even this, you know, more full service broker won't let you trade them either because they don't allow gray market stuff or they only allow DTC eligible. Um, so I'm at a loss currently for like after after September, what will even allow it? I mean, I don't know whoever uses, I use Odeon. I've heard of other firms as well. There's one called Axis something. I don't use them. They clear through Pershing. These are like introducing brokers. There's like a whole slew of kind of like, you know, kind of off the beaten path. Like, I guess they're called introducing brokers. So like they're your face, but really what they do is they have like a master account with Pershing or with Hilltop or with, other sort of clearing firms they are actual custodians and clearing firms. Um, so I'm, I'm with Odeon, very happy. You know, it costs a little more, I think. Yeah, it costs more than IB. I mean, everything costs more than IB. Um, I kind of feel like this is, I don't want to, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to like touch any hot buttons here. Unless it might be a live wire, but uh, I really hated IB <laughs> with passion. Just because they were so painful doing any sort of corporate actions. I mean, it's just the most painful thing trying to get IB. There's no customer service at all. And, um, you know, I had, a, I had a, uh, a corporate action where they basically, you know, frankly, in my opinion, I guess I should state that Robert for uh, uh, Bobby's going to, yeah, get on me. My opinion, I think they screwed me out of $40,000. And uh, they didn't say anything. I was like, dude, I'm going to bring an arbitration. Like, this is like, you, you literally screwed me out of 40 grand. And I mean, it wasn't, you know, at the time, it was a tiny amount of money compared to the, the money in the fund. But I was just like, you know, I figured it was just like increasing my brokerage fees to the normal brokerage fees. Uh, if you amortize it over a few years, uh, I saw the Dave's laughing. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, I can weigh in on, on interactive brokers. They've basically made the same announcements, uh, not as publicly as a few others, but yeah, after some point in August, uh, the, the securities become uh, liquidation only. 
and I believe after the September drop dead day, not only liquidation only, but liquidation by phone. So I uh, have fun with that. So yeah, it might. Does I even have a phone number? <laughs> <laughs> if you're special, they do. Uh, yeah, so, so that, that'll be annoying. Uh, I mean, likewise, I have my own share of complaints for interactive brokers. Uh, I'm happy with other aspects of them. I, I continue to use them, but but yeah, it, it's not going to be a fun place to try to work in these markets anymore. And, and I have to say, like, we're all, of course, unhappy about these moves, but you also have to sort of understand that a little bit from the broker's perspective. I mean, trading in these sort of stocks and securities probably is three or four basis points, like max, of their total trade volume compared to all the ETFs, uh, listed securities out there around the world. And in the share of headaches it creates now and certainly going forward it is just proportionate to that. So you can understand why a lot of them are just not interested in offering the service anymore, as unfortunate it is for us. Um, I don't know, shout to the heavens, I guess, but I can't be that angry at the brokers for, for making these changes. You got to be angry with the SEC. That's what it is. Right. They, let, they, let, they let these companies deregister, and now they're dumping that problem on the foot of the brokerage. Like, like oh, we've let them deregister. You, you be the gatekeeper. You, you take care of it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, what's the future then of, of investing in these types of securities? I mean, is, is there a future? Is, it, is, the, is this it? You know, I mean, what, what, what happens from here? You know, like, and then also, has there been any news on like, what is the new deregistration process? I mean, let's say, you know, after this rule takes effect and a company on the QB doesn't want to be on the QB anymore, or be current, like now what? You know, I mean, it's still pretty damn hazy. Anybody know? I don't know. Hoping well, the deregistration process where if you have fewer than 300 shareholders record, I don't think it's changing. And I mean, I, I find it amusing that everyone's so upset about China for censuring these companies after they went public. Like, okay, people bought their stock in an IPO and then now there's new regulation on these Chinese companies. And it just strikes me as really similar to the reason most of these stocks exist is that they were once registered with the SEC, a normal public company. And at some point they did a filing um, to no longer file financials with the SEC. And the only threshold for that is under 300 shareholders of record, which almost, I believe, I was about to say almost all, but many public companies have that because um, the shareholder of record, you know, consolidates all public holders. So most public companies have like 80 shareholders of record. So it, it just kills me that the, you know, I mean, Dan alluded to it, but that, that the SEC allows this to happen. That's not changing to my knowledge. I think that, I think a lot of companies and, and everyone I think has kind of alluded to this, a lot of these companies are going to comply with this. So there's gonna be, I don't know what the number is, but I think like over a thousand new reporting companies in the over-the-counter ecosystem that I think is going to add some vibrancy because these dark stocks are are fine, but there's very low trading volumes. Like it works in a personal account, but if you're managing more money, um, I think getting more stocks into the OTCQB and the better tiers and stuff will probably make the over-the-counter markets a little bit better. And then the dark stocks that stay dark, I mean, it's like, I think we all have to move away from the retail brokers like Schwab and start 
talking like becoming experts in these like specialty brokers like Tom or introducing brokers you know like Tom was uh rattling off yeah if anybody has any others I like Odeon but anybody has any others I totally agree with you Mark see I think I think you know, like we're getting it's it does kind of suck a little bit but I think in the end it's going to create some interesting opportunity for us sure um I would think the, the companies are going to that are going to want to comply maybe have a story to tell and they still want to you know have that happen maybe not in their timeline yeah you know, but they, they maybe they just but they're forced to get current so they'll, they'll do it just to keep that dream alive a little bit you know so um it might be cool too to start looking at these companies that are on their way to becoming a compliant already uh, and that are actually um you know um seeing where they're at and everything and maybe they'll speed that process up i mean if you think i mean it's easy to beat up on otc markets because they are kind of like the one player here and you have to deal with them but i, I they're providing a pretty oh. nice service i think that i don't know the number on otc the fees for the qb but that's like a higher tier i think the base like if you're dark and you just want to post your financials there um and be compliant my understanding is it's like Six thousand five hundred a year, which if you I'm think cool about it, it and my other understanding is stock. that you, I'm what's that? trying to I'm selfishly trying to figure out if I should buy the stock now. Oh yeah, <laughs> well it, it's it's not. It used to be cheaper, but it's a great business, I think. And then I my understanding is that if a company doesn't comply right now, and then like a, or they miss it, or you know what have you, like nine months from now they can go to OTC Markets and file their financials and pay the six thousand five hundred. And they're back compliant. I mean, if you compare that to the process of doing an IPO, you know, with an investment bank and stuff, it's a pretty, uh, pretty good value, I think, that they're offering. But um, and the limited, it's a good stock. Limited, it's just not cheap at this point. The limited tier doesn't even require um, an audit. So it's like it's not that right. much. Why well, have an audit to do? Gosh, it's such a burden. And also, to be fair to what Maj, to, to your point, you know, like talking about quality and in what obviously we, you know, we love to have more quality, not just on OTC, but all exchanges. And so to be fair to OTC marketing for full disclosure, I'm not a shareholder, but they are a sponsor of our virtual events. Um, and actually, we're going to be doing a panel at our upcoming event doing an update with OTC markets. So that should be kind of interesting. But in fairness, I mean, like, you know, look at NASDAQ, YSC. I mean, there's companies that are, you know, haven't been profitable or for years or, or never generated a dollar of revenue and they're listed on there, you know? So it's like, you know, we could throw, again, we could throw stones at OTC for letting anybody wanting to list on there. But like Marcus said, it is a service, you know, if the company wants to be public, they want to go that route to raise capital. Okay. You know, like that's, that's what it's there for. Yeah. Maj. Yeah, I, I'm not going to launch a competitor and charge uh, $4,999. <laughs> they've, the they've got the economy of scale there and stuff. What's going on in Canada? What's going on with this? Like, aren't there like two now competing exchanges for kind of OTC-ish yeah. securities? Well, there's, I mean, there's, there's TSX Venture, there's a TSX, there's NEO uh, and Neo, the CSC. Yeah. NEO is the new one, but from my understanding, NEO is trying to compete with more on the big board TSX. Not so much for getting venture names. Like they're trying to be like, uh, oh, you're uplisting from the venture of the CSE to the TSX. Like, why don't you uplist to? Well, but will your brokers still allow you to go after those? Like maybe this ends up being like a little bit of a local 
area where people try to do deals and stuff because you know canada is going to be more hospitable and you can get it through your broker in the states even though like otc you know i don't know i'm just thinking out loud i have heard i have heard that canadian brokers will still let you buy like the caveat emptor stocks which which most of these schwab and those things have already cut off um i'm not certain what they'll do after august or september but um you know there was someone telling me he was thinking about taking a vacation to Canada just to sign up for an account. <laughs> I once I once was gonna like rent a place or get a cousin to set up. There was a demutualization going on in Canada. What's it called? Economical. Someone's gonna have heard of this on this panel. But there was uh, what it's like. It's like the one of the largest PNC insurers in Canada. They've been doing like this demutualization for gosh, I don't even know, maybe a decade or maybe like five years. But you have to be a policyholder to actually do it. So I was like, I'm going to pay for the policy for my cousin. So then he would give me the rights. It was very funny. Um, you know, this is all opportunity, but yeah. Yeah. And sorry, go, and going back to this conversation, I'm wanting to, you know, maybe create an expert market or kind of a tier one, because I think, you know, I was kind of poking fun at Maj a little bit there, but like at the end of the day, I mean, it's not a bad idea, you know, and it, and it's, and it would be pretty incredible. It'd be actually incredible to see. You know, but like, it, let's let's all let's let's be entrepreneurs here. Let's think about how would they actually do that? How can you do that? You know, uh, at what threshold then do they slip off that tier system? You know, is it is it maybe just creating an index or something? I don't know. Yeah, I thought about maybe like if you a, a true kind of, you know, I think value add would be you know some type of list that where there's a, a checklist of maybe more, more like qualitative and fundamental data that kind of qualifies the company. That really helps the investor a lot, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, basically how, if you look at it, if you looked at creating a tier one list from the way an investor would look at it, that's the way I would do it. And, you know, we're kind of thinking about a geo, how to maybe look at that um, to really add value to this, to, 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 um, to the space and maybe transparency and help investors really want to be involved in this space to really be involved in just the quality names, true tier one companies. Not just those that are filing financials and you know listing whatever, um, and that was kind of what I when I talked to the OTC about that. I was like, you know, you have this top fifty list. Well, let's make that top fifty list more based on qual you know qualitative criteria, and the true, not just on price performance, of these kind of things, or or you know being on a particular, you know, listing kind of tier. And I'm sure the comments back were like, well, then there goes all of our mining and biotech names. Like, <laughs> I mean, we put the lines, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, and uh, that would have been pretty awesome, I think. Um, so maybe they'll I mean, that, that was a low blow. That was not a low <laughs> The guys are wearing dark because everybody's going dark. I'm wearing my referee hat. <laughs> referee shirt. I want a biotech I company. Biotech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I think, that, I think a lot of what, when you look at the space, right? And when you look at all these, I'm just talking, um, I think OTC's done a pretty decent job, I guess, but for, for the most part, these these service providers for the retail investor, I, I don't think are built, by, you know, like a buy, buy investor for investor mentality. Uh, and um, and it would be cool to have, you know, a breath of fresh air to kind of have that, I think, available to some degree. If you want, I mean, I mean for us, it's maybe, you know, we have, because we're doing this all day long, it's, it's great not to have that, right? Because we can go find these opportunities in the, in the inefficiency of the, the universe. But I think it would, wow. help, would help all of us to some degree. Can you please do it and put it behind the paywall? I mean, I, that's, a, that's a service I'd pay for. 
We're, right? we're working like, on it. <laughs> all right, all right. Just working on it. Tease, tease, cliffhanger. Come on. This, this is like, I just realized that we're like the DIY or like maker club of like securities. Is that like a thing? Or like, you know, it's like the whole maker movement where people make their own stuff. We're like, yeah. Anyway. Anyways. I mean, so, I mean, is there anything that we're missing when it comes to what's about to happen with this new rules? I mean, actually, hold on, before, before I get to that, you know, as, as individual investors in, in some of these names, I mean, what's your strategy right now? You know, are, are you selling some, some of the names that were core holdings because you're, there's a fear of what might happen or you're holding it because there's could be a chance of this expert market or, you know, like what, what's, what's your strategy? You know, and you don't have to name individual names of what you're doing in those, but like just in general, uh, Dan, Dave, Marcus, Mosh, Tom. Bueller. What I'm <laughs> Bueller, Bueller, anyone. What I'm doing is is like just waiting. I mean, I feel like capitalism will find a way, and we will all get back to trading these things somehow. Um, there might be a period of time this fall, winter, where that's just like sitting with like no volume at all. But like I have about twenty percent of my portfolio is in these types of stocks that that's are all? not going to be. I put you at <laughs> 60. <laughs> I mean, it, it changes over time, but at the moment I added it up the other day and it's about 20. So what I'm doing is kind of waiting. I mean, I own all these stocks because I think there's a chance they're going to make me money someday. And that chance is not changing by what the SEC is doing. But um, yeah, watch and learn. We'll see. Was the catalyst on these names ever, it was always a transaction, right? It was always a corporate event. So it never was... Uh, like, oh, it's going to be discovered and it'll just, it'll like, it'll, you'll, there's never a ratings re-rate on a lot of these like dark companies. There is sometimes, Anyone? I mean, some of them people, some of them people just don't know about. And then yeah. once more people hear about them, they move up. Some, a lot of them are like what Marcus said, talked about earlier about like, oh, some of these ones that are going to be filing again, that itself can be a yeah. huge catalyst. Like I, I've made money a number of times on different stocks that are not communicating at all or very rarely. And then all of a sudden they start putting out press releases because like they have a new right. CEO or something, the guy handed it over to his son or whatever. And um, so that for sure is, is and, and that, that potential is not gonna change. Like a year from now or two years from now, some of these dark ones might have a new management that all of a sudden cares or the large shareholder has decided they wanna like, you know, give a bunch of cash to their kids. And so they wanna get out or something. So like that, that chance is always there, regardless of like the OTC markets tier that they trade on. Yeah, for my yeah. part, I'd say that, I mean, anything that you bought thinking, I don't care much what it does over the next year, but I'm hopeful that in five years, I'll have made a, a nice sum of money. I don't think you have a lot to worry about. Anything you bought mostly for a trade or just like quick pop or like kind of reversion to the mean based on, I don't know, some kind of short-term issue or short-term seller uh, finishing up and clearing out that I'd be a bit more nervous about. So yeah, you can take, I, I'd say, take a look at the stuff you hold, know why you own it. And if it, it really I mean, trading activity doesn't have much of an impact in the short run, if it's a long-term hold for you, but, but it has a lot of an impact if this is something you bought as a trade. So the eternal question of, you know, don't make your trades investments and don't make your investments trades just based on price action. So think about why you hold it. And if you're 
willing to hold it through a period of little or no quotation. You might, my thing is, I, I think I echo what you guys are saying here, man. It's like, I'm not doing, really doing much. Um, I'm not too worried about it really in terms of value winning out in the end, uh, if you have the right companies. Um, if anything, I'm getting probably going to get more aggressive in the OTC uh, market and especially these dark stocks, thinking that there's going to be these, you know, this catalyst, like you're talking about, Thomas, like these events where just the event of being able to report is going to be, uh, reporting is going to be interesting and see what that does. And I'm going to be, it's really, really cool to see, you know, some of these companies that come out of the woodwork, you know, there's going to be some gems there probably. <laughs> wow, look at this company. I can't believe it was selling at this price uh, when, when they come out. So, um, yeah, I'm looking at, you know, overall, I'm going to looking at it as a positive thing uh, for the space in terms of discovery of, you know, some great companies and trying to build that pipeline now, not in September. Um, let's see what we can find. I'm just upset at the, why the SEC is doing it. I don't believe that the, the reason they're doing yeah. it is for a reason. Yeah. You know, and they should just say it. It's a cop-out. It's a cop-out. It's, cop it's <laughs> like, yeah. oh, let's just stop out fraud so you can't buy any of this. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Like if you're, if you're not, not the poor people. The rich people are fine. The poor people, they don't need to buy this stuff. Yeah. It's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> look, I mean, look, let's admit, we, we, we do get somewhat annoyed when some of these companies don't report anything. But we, we want them to report something if they're a great company because you want that to be part of the discovery process, right? So there are some firms yeah. where we do want, they should, they should be doing something to some degree, I think. It'd be nice. Um, and it help us catalyze our investments even faster, probably. And um, just my- Maj, can I ask a favor? Sure. Can you, can you like, we should we should make a song about this rule. This would be great. I, the, I see a guitar behind you. Come oh, on. Get, get, oh, so the, the OTC blues? So, yeah, I was just saying, this will be, be a good blues song for, uh, for all dark stocks. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I'll give a slightly con contrary take on some of this. Like this has been a weird year because it was like probably a year, maybe more ago that this got proposed by the SEC that we're not going to let trading in, in dark stocks. Then shortly after that, when you finally read the two, 300 page, you know, uh, proposed rule, they were open to an expert market. Okay, well, what does this mean? You hear some ideas from OTC markets and they propose something, all the comments are in favor of it. And so this is kind of like six months ago. You're getting more, I'm getting more comfortable with it, even holding the companies that I know will not comply with this because I can access this and trade. It's only in the last couple of weeks that it really dawned on me that none of the brokers I do business with will let me plug into this expert market in all likelihood. So maybe I'll find a workaround, but it's, I think there could be a, a dislocation and, and you guys are talking about opportunity. And so that's the right way to think about a dislocation, but I'm not, it's not clear to me how I can play that dislocation. And then at the same time, there's probably 10 or 15 dark stocks that I'm involved with that I read their stuff, talk to management. I was surprised at how many said they would comply. So call it two thirds. Mm -hmm. And that's great. So these are companies that never made anything public. They're all, in my opinion, undervalued and they're gonna open up to the world. That's great on two thirds. The one third call it um, that have confirmed to me or I'm pretty sure are not gonna comply. In my portfolio, never traded off really. So like, if you look at Hanover Foods, that's a net net, it trades at a low multiple, nepotistic, horrible management who thinks they're private and denies the mm people are shareholders and things like that. Their stock hasn't moved. So I sold mine, you know, and I don't know why 
there's the, anyone can sell out of Hanover without taking a loss because the stock's been flat for the last couple of years. I don't know why anyone wouldn't sell that. And then there are a couple others, you know, in that category and I've sold them. So I would suggest that if people listening to this own dark stocks, that they try to get some sense, they contact management or what have you. And if they're not going to comply and the stock hasn't moved down, I think you should sell it. But maybe not inconsistent, like you guys said, but maybe a little more glass half empty for part of the market. This is the wrong crowd for that message. No, I hear you. <laughs> I mean, we should, we should talk over like the dark stock that gave you the biggest pain. No, maybe I'll throw Waxford Industries out there as like the That's one. Most, most painful you know, nepotistic or whatever you want to call it, but just think that's Waxman. private. Waxman, Waxman, not Waxford. Yeah, oh, sorry, Wax, yeah. Waxman. Mm -hmm. I just, I just defamed like a hedge fund, I think. Yeah, no, <laughs> sorry, Waxman. What's kind of cool here, guys, too, is at least we know who's not going to comply now. They're just going to be nailing the coffin, right? We know these guys never have a chance of coming out, right? So let's forget about it. And why, what, maybe why deal with it sometimes, unless you, you, you know. Well, yeah, you or if in two months I figure out how I can trade the market, and Hanover is trading at half where it is today, maybe, but you gonna get back in? <laughs> I don't think on that one, but <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was flat and they paid like a 2% dividend. So I got a 2% return while the market went up like 50%. Hey, look, at the end of the day. I'm oh, one last thought. Sorry oh, to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. I'm considering there if I go. hadn't sold Hanover, I was gonna donate it to Tether to add to their collateral pool of whatever commercial <laughs> paper they own. <laughs> Genius. I mean, look, at the end of the day, like, I mean, this is a huge opportunity set, right? A huge opportunity set, 7,000 names. In that 7,000 names, good amount of them are probably dog shit anyway. Let's be frank, right? You know, so like we're, we're, making, we, we, we're making a big stink because it's like, oh my God, there's 7,000 names that this is, is potentially affecting, but it's like, you're really, we're really only sad about like maybe a handful of them that are, maybe quality names that now are like, oh, cool. All right, we just won't, we're not gonna comply, you know? Yeah, does anybody and, know, I don't know, what's know? the statistics on the market? Because like, I see all the time, you know, where you see those like, is it FINRA or SEC filing against the security and say like, oh, we're pulling these, these listings, it'll be like 20 listings. And like, I'll get it because it'll be some bankrupt company I was looking at and I just set up like, you know, an update on it or whatever. And I'm like, it, I'm amazed. It takes like four years for them to pull the symbol on a bankrupt company. It's like bizarre. It's like, why would it take four or five years for them to pull a bankrupt company's QSIP? So out of the 7,000, there must one. be like tons that are just like, just nothing, like absolutely nothing. I own, I own, I think two that I think are absolutely nothing, but they're like, I own them from before and it, but it still trades, but, but like you call and the number, there's, it doesn't go anywhere. You know, the website's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not worth electronic ink it's printed on yeah yeah that's really so, saying something so I, I as i as i was saying earlier you know that now i'll bring this question here right now you know what what's is there anything we're missing when when it comes to this rule and dark stocks i mean what yeah i mean quite frankly is there anything that we're missing in general about this that we should have discussed or told to our audience here Did we cover it all? I wish yeah. I wish I had a good answer. I wish I had a good answer for the audience on how retail investors can access these stocks after September, but I do not. It's like so opaque right now, 
And all the answers I've gotten are either no or we're not sure yet. And Hey, Dan, did you say earlier, back in the expert market for a second, did you say that um, on the expert market, are you, still, are you going to be able to see the bids and asks on those and, on, and what's going on there or That's no? the You are? I think so. That's the exemption that OTC Markets is asking for an exemption to this SEC rule specifically for their, for their expert market. So that, you know, if your name is on the list that you're allowed to like, you know, trade in the expert market or whatever, however you get on that list. And if a brokerage will, you know, let you transact through them onto that list that those stocks on the expert market, you would be able to see the electronic bid and ask. Um, so is it your, is it your like, understanding that, so if you're not, if you don't file financials, you can get this special exemption and to be on the expert market? Is that what you're- It's not, it's not the company getting the exemption. It's OTC markets getting the exemption from the SEC for this rule of providing quotes. So they would provide quotes on the expert market. And right. then whoever, whoever's transacting on the expert market, all the stocks inside the expert market would be these dark companies that are not filing any financials. Right. Did they, did they give any guidance on how you become eligible to, to be an ex I think it was, quote unquote I think, expert? I think it was the accredited investor rules, if I'm not mistaken. Like, so if you're accredited, you have a ton of money or, or if you are like a professional in some way, um, I think Mar Marcus, didn't you? I think you actually read the whole 300 page document, right? I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Um, I think you framed it correctly, Dan. It's like, it's like broker dealers are, there's no law that says anyone can't trade a stock that doesn't make financials public. Like you can trade it. You can, you could call the company and they could put you in touch with a seller and you can trade at the, transfer agent, there's no law, there's no securities law that says you can't trade stocks that don't have public information. It's completely legal. But the SEC can regulate broker dealers on what quotes they display to customers, particularly if the customer, it's not suitable for the customer or, you know, or these words. And so like the SEC has basically said, we don't want quotes displayed on dark stocks. Um, and they have an exemption where or the OTC markets, this expert market is an exemption where if someone can show they're accredited, they can see quotes on that market for these dark stocks. But for that to happen, some broker has to decide they want to participate in that. For this, there's no ecosystem right now. It's just on a piece of paper, just an idea of an expert market. So like the brokers and stuff need to plug into that. But but it's it's chicken before the egg because it hasn't even been approved yet. And that's the frustration is that it's taken this long for the SEC to approve this expert market because it's just an idea right now. I don't know. Is the that expert market, fair, Dan? The expert market exists, actually. It's there. It's got like 300 stocks in it or something. They're just great stocks at the moment. But yeah. And is that the okay. same? That's the same expert market. So it's just going to be an, a big expansion of that market. That's my under. I think so. I think right. so. Well, and right now, good luck getting a broker that will plug you into the existing expert market. I yeah. Guess I, the problem. I've, I've, I, I've, I've asked and they said no to me, like they have no plans for it, but that's the it's not that hard to read a, a I mean, a, a, to read a qualified investor is pretty hard, but to read a, uh, to, to meet the, um, whatever the other one is, somebody help me credit investor is not, not insurmountable. It's at, what is it? 200,000, uh, in yearly annual income and, uh, a million dollars in net worth, including your personal residence. Okay, that's money, but it's not like like ridiculous amounts of money, and uh, you know normally you're self 
certifying. I, I uh, full disclosure, I, you self-certify. You know, uh, Bobby's gonna hate that that I just threw that out there. Anyway, um, no, you okay. say your you say your experience. Self-certify. You say yeah. you say you know what you're doing. Yeah. You say. I imagine that would be the case. Yeah. But again, it depends. It depends on the brokerage. Like what uh, someone told yeah, me, they asked Schwab about that, and, and Schwab said they have nowhere of verifying it, so they don't. They're not going to deal with it. Right, which like is ridiculous because the they, they can see your account value. A lot of the Twitter questions are like, "Is this a business opportunity to start a brokerage for this area?" And I think it's the same business question that Schwab's looking at right now. They make hundreds of millions or billion dollars a year from selling order flow. They are now making more money off of the cash balances in your account, the free trading commissions. This is just not a good fit for that business model because there are headaches with these. And if so, I don't know that it's actually a good business transacting like hundred share orders for Dan Shum for like $9 a trade. And then if it turns out that Dan does a pump and dump, like we get like slapped with a $50 million fine. So it's not clear to me whether this would be good business for anyone, I really hope that the rules get set and then the private sector can look at it and say, you know, can we make money in this business? There's lots of brokers other than the top five online brokers that could have some registered reps and put some infrastructure around this market. It's just hasn't happened yet. But I think if someone's running like a hundred million dollar hedge fund and they're have a prime broker with Jefferies or interactive brokers. I'm not in that world. So I don't know if this is true, but my guess is that they can access these markets like through the expert market that you just Marcus, and, you know. Let me tell you, we're gonna create an ETF using Maj's <laughs> tier one system. Okay. And that's gonna be the answer. Just putting a basket of the, is, the high quality names and that's it. So what yeah, you're really we're talking saying about the, low, the, the dark stocks, the low like five of them. <laughs> This is like the opposite of Robinhood. This is like this is like a gift. We're adding Alpha back to the, the emerging manager pool. <laughs> yeah, the, anyway. the, premium, the premium on that ETF, I can already I can already hear it just going way above uh, intrinsic value. Anyways, um, so I think I think we've pretty much covered everything here. I mean, Marcus, you checked Twitter. I, did I miss? Did we miss any Twitter questions that we uh, that, that we got or grievances? I don't I don't think we. <laughs> I think address all yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, you know, let's 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 close it out here. You know, so um, go one by one. Everybody, uh, give where people can follow you on social media, as well as maybe a final take on all this stuff. You know, for for maybe even newbies that had never heard of this or uh, or just got started in dark stocks a month ago, I had no idea what the hell was coming. So, uh, you know, I'm gonna go uh, on my screen. I got counterclockwise. So, Dan, you're you're first up. Um, so you Our can clockwise. find me. Sorry, clockwise. Get it. Get it right. Get it right. Yeah. The, you you can find me at uh, my blog, uh, nonamestocks.com. I'm on Twitter at nonamestocks. If you are looking to read some history on what is a dark stock, what is the SEC, how clearing firms uh, play a role in this, because some of them it's not even the brokerage that's saying no, you can't buy that. It's the the firm they clear through. Um, on my blog, I've written up quite a few posts on these things. And over the years, different brokerages that have given me headache. Um, there's a page at the top, dark, dark companies, SEC, OTC markets, brokerages. You can, you can click on that and do some reading. Send me an email if you want. 
Tom? You know, chaos is opportunity. I mean, chaos. I got, I got. So yeah, chaos is opportunity. I mean, you know, part of like, you know, the stuff that I, I, yeah, oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. You were like way over my head. Oh, you gotta remember, sorry. you gotta keep it down here. I'm not cultured, okay? I sit around all day looking at bankers companies. I'm, I'm uh, apologize. But I, you know, I do think that there's, there'll be opportunities and I'm sure a lot of people in the panel will figure out ways. I feel like part of being in this market was always like finding brokers will let you transact, what the fees were, you know, what the regulations were. So part of the alpha is just like knowing the system and like learning it, just like in bankruptcy, like part of the reason you're making money on some of this stuff is just, you just know that system. You know, it's like the fundamentals are kind of obvious. You know, it's like you're buying this for 50, it's worth a dollar. But knowing like, how are you going to get to the dollar? How long it's going to take? And what the regulatory, you know, how do you even buy this stuff? You know, is, is it is a decent uh, barrier to entry? So maybe this is just, a, you know, this is just a new thing. You know, this is just a new thing to comply with or not comply with, but to maybe differentiate yourself and or, you know, yeah, that's it. Very good. And you can follow him at Thomas Brazil and that's I-E-L. Um, Maj? Yeah, thanks, Bobby. Um, yeah, well, I think, um, again, I echo everybody here. I, I think this is going to be an opportunity to find some interesting names, maybe some life-changing names if you're looking to, you know, uh, opportunities here, if you're looking, uh, want to do the dirty work. I think, you know, if I was an investor wanting to get involved in this space or was interested in dark stocks, I'd start digging deeper now for the next three, four weeks to make a wish list. Um, and maybe even reading the press, reading whatever releases are out there, information, or calling the company to find out if you can get an idea if they um, are gonna comply um, and maybe get an information advantage uh, from that. Um, and um, yeah, opportunity is what I'm looking for here. Um, you can find me uh, at Maj at, at geoinvesting.com is my email address if you wanna um, talk stocks at all. Um, my, my website is geoinvesting.com where we offer some premium services. Uh, and you can follow me at Twitter at Maj Geoinvesting. Thanks, Bobby. You can also listen to his podcast, Avoiding the oh. Crap Podcast with Maj Sway Don. And uh, don't worry, I got you on that, Maj. So uh, that's available wherever you get podcasts. So yeah. you're really Dan's good. At, you're Dan's so good at promoting. <laughs> There's a great interview with me and Dan on that, a fireside chat, which I recommend yeah. people if you're really into dark stocks. So for sure. Absolutely. All right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dave. Yeah. So. Keep in mind, this is all a developing situation. We're all talking with the best knowledge, most recent information we have, but things can still change between now and September, between now and the end of the year. And a lot depends on if and when the SEC comes through with approval for that official expert market. So stay posted, recommend reading the newsletters that OTC Markets puts out, which you can sign up for on their website. And, and also, I mean, obviously everyone here enjoys this sort of thing. Uh, we do our research. It's not really a, a tourist market. So if you are interested in this sort of these sort of opportunities, then you have to devote the time. It's not just the sort of thing we could throw some darts and, and do well. So uh, do your homework, everyone. And where can people follow you? Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Alluvial Capital. I also have a Substack, uh, alluvial.substack.com, where I write about the snap. Very cool. All right. And Marcus, close us out now. Yeah. Um... I can be followed on Twitter at Marcus Frampton and I really like interacting with people there. So definitely feel free to shoot me a DM if you want to talk about anything that we talked about. You don't have a final take? Oh, final take. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought Dave summarized it pretty well. I mean, it is worth emphasizing that this is, you know, you know, there's a reason why there's more regulation coming around this. This is like a tougher part of the market for people to, it really requires some real work. Um, so people should buyer beware on this stuff. And I mean, I, I'm an optimist. I think that they just got to set the rules and the, there'll be some private sector solution around trading these markets, but it really is a period of uncertainty. So that will create some opportunity. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that's a great place to end it. As Dave alluded to, we'll probably have to do a part two of this at some point because this is an ongoing situation. Um, as we continue to get more information, uh, you know, in the next, in the coming months, but I highly recommend everybody go. And if you're not already a subscriber of some of the resources that everybody on this panel said today from no name stocks, geo investing, alluvio capital Substack, Marcus's newsletter as well, uh, or follow Tom on Twitter for the next, uh, you know, you might do a Twitter rant on some of these things. We never know. Um, but, uh, but with that, thank you all for joining me today. This was a lot of fun and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep monitoring the situation and, um, yeah, have a great rest of your day and, uh, look forward to the next one. All right. Thanks guys.